welcome to another episode of the Split Division Podcast. I'm the host today, Nathan Marzian, joined by Eli Talking Packers, Max Talking Bears, Brett with the Vikings, and Gerbs with the Lions. So we have some NFC North news um, that just happened recently. Dalvin Cook reportedly will be holding out until he gets a reasonable contract extension. So I'm going to take it to Brett, um, Talking Vikings, uh, your thoughts on that, and then um, we'll go from there. Um, yeah. Obviously, Delvin Cook is a big part of our offense, a big part of our team. Um, it doesn't really surprise me that he's looking for uh, a good contract. Um, he's on his last year of his deal. Um, obviously, you know, it's a big topic on whether you should pay a running back, you know, big money. And I'm kind of on the boat where you shouldn't. Um, but in Delvin Cook's case, he's so big in the run game. and He's so big in the pass game. Um, he had about 50 catches last year. And I think he had a huge game receiving versus the Cowboys on that Sunday night football game. He was just our whole offense pretty much on, um, I think Kirk Cousins really relies on him as well. So, uh, but yeah, I don't think we should pay him, you know, big top money. If he's looking for Christian McCaffrey money, which is like 16 million a year or something like that. I just think that's crazy money for um, a running back. Um, but he said he is looking for that David Johnson type deal, which is about 13 million a year. And I still think that's a little rich. Um, I don't even really want to get into double figures on his contract, um, maybe around that $10 million uh, deal per year. But, um, you know, I don't know. It's just, you know, more te- some teams, you know, they rely on the run game more. And Mike Zimmer is such a pound the football, pound the football, pound the football. So I would not have any, I would not be surprised at all if we did give him that big money. Uh, but uh, um, in the past, Gary Kubiak's system, C.J. Anderson had 2,000-yard uh, rush, rush, rushing seasons with Gary Kubiak as head coach. So, he, you know, you can plug and play a bunch of running backs way cheaper than what we'd be paying Dalvin Cook. So I'm kind of on the boat right now where I think we should play it out, you know, if he continues to hold out, you know, if he's looking for that big $14, $15 million deal. I just, with our Sally Cap, you know, the way it is right now too, I, I just think we should maybe pass for now. So. So we'll just quickly go around. Um, you guys can give your thoughts on the Dalvin Cook situation and paying running backs. So, Gerbs, um, what do you think? Uh, you should never pay running backs big money. Uh, just look at every running back really in recent history. Of David Johnson was the best running back in the league for a little while, and then he completely fell off a cliff and was not good after he got the extension. Ezekiel Elliott, best running back in the league for a while, got a big payday, nothing happened. Le'Veon Bell held out for a whole season, and nobody even cared. Uh, Melvin Gordon held out for a whole season, and nobody even cared. You know, it, it's with running back especially, that's such a next-man-up position where as long as your system works, it doesn't matter who's at running back. So with the Chargers, Melvin Gordon said, I'm not going to play this season, and they said, okay, Austin Eckler, you're in, and he balled out all season, as he did the last two years, really. And it, it goes with any team, and whether it's an injury or a holdout or whatever, the running back position is so replaceable as long as you have a good offensive line and just good blockers, whether it's tight end, O-line, and then receivers to kind of complement the run game. Yeah, so paying running backs, I get if you have like a once-in-a-lifetime guy or maybe like a more versatile player, say Christian McCaffrey, when he got that extension, that makes sense. The guy gets a 1,000 rushing and receiving yards a season. He's just an all-around weapon, but paying a guy who's meant just to run the ball, 
doesn't right. make sense to me. Right, Durability Max. is an issue too. So. Oh yeah. Max. Yeah, I say Vikings sign him to the max deal that you absolutely can. Um, he against the Bears over the last two seasons, he's averaged like 28 yards a game, um, 2.4 yards per carry. So sign, sign him to a big deal. That that's what I'm about. But no, if I if I'm a Vikings fan, like I like, or if I'm like Spielman. I'm not going to let him off on one million. I I'm going to give him something extra. I think maybe yeah maybe I want like like Brett said I wouldn't hit that double figure ten million mark. But like I'd have no problem throwing him like five or six or whatever. He's obviously valuable to the team, but at least make sitting out hurt a little bit. He's like Dalvin Cook. He's missing out on one million dollars a year. It's like based on his next contract that he's going to get. It's like it's really nothing. So. Um, I say I say reward him, and if he sits out and he, if he doesn't want kind of that middle of the road five, six, seven million dollar contract, then then at that point, like he can sit out and let the money burn, that sort of thing. But I also look like similar along the line of what Gerbs was just saying, like like running backs come and go. Like you look at the 49ers, like they were the second best running attack in the league, and they had Mostert and Tevin Coleman, right? And you look at the Ravens, they were number one in rushing and they had Mark Ingram and um, Lamar Jackson, you know, like uh, I like running backs come and go. Um, I, I'm kind of on the same page as you guys. Don't give them too much, but give them something more. Mm-hmm. Eli, you have anything to add? Yes, I do. I don't think any team should be paying running backs the numbers they're getting now unless they're like uh, Max said, just truly insanely elite. And Dalvin Cook is very good, but he's had injury issues, and that scares me a ton when you're paying someone that much. And the reports today said that the Vikings came in at under $10 million a year. And if we're talking about 13 or 16 in that range, and the Vikings came in at under 10, it looks like they're pretty far off. So I don't know if that means Cook will hold out or one of them will cave, but it should be interesting to see. But I don't think the Vikings should give him more than they think is right because we know that running back shelf lives are not very long yeah and i was just going to add i mean you were talking about he's looking at christian mccaffrey type money and that's really the only you kind of touched on it um i think brett that's really the only time it to me makes sense a little bit to pay a running back is when they're doing you know when they're basically carrying your your whole offense by um rushing and receiving you know if they're that important but if you're just rushing it's i mean and not that dalvin cook doesn't provide a lot in the passing game but you know, Christian McCaffrey just on another level. Exactly. Um, so we will now transition this into um, talking about the best players um, in contract years this year um, throughout the NFC North. Obviously, the big one is Delvin Cook. And um, other than that, it's just a bunch of role players that are kind of on a contract year. Um, but Delvin Cook, you know, like we were just talking about, we especially in our situation, we can't overpay for a running back right now. And if he does take a team-friendly deal, that's great. But um, if not, we'll add another running back in the draft next year, free agency or something like that. But um, other than that, yeah, he's the most important one. And then obviously um, Anthony Harris, we just franchise-tagged him as well. So we're kind of looking at a contract extension for him as well. Um, Very good safety. Um, A ball hawk, really good alongside Harrison Smith. Um, I'd like to also see us um, work out a deal with him, but, um, you know, that's a safety as well. So, you know, you don't really want to throw big money at safeties either, you know, especially with Mike Zimmer. He can really plug in a lot of players. He made Andrew Sandejo look good 
uh, which which <laughs> which is you know really something as well. But um, yeah. Um, other than that, Delvin Cook, Anthony Harris, and then a bunch of role players that are in a contract year. So yeah. So. All right, we'll go back to Max. Yeah. So. The biggest contract that we're looking for is Mitch Trubisky. Hopefully we can get to a point where we want to re-sign him. <laughs> that, that, that would be ideal. The odds of it happening, slim. Um, but yeah, the, the one that we're all looking for right now, um, we're, we want an extension with A-Rob. Like, this is the last year of his deal. Uh, he single-handedly carried our offense. Um, he was the only offensive player that I had listed in our top 10 last week of uh, NFC North players. So um, A-Rob, I want to see him get extended. It's not that he nece- necessarily needs to prove it, but another guy is Anthony Miller. He's going into uh, his third year where we're going to have to look to see if we want to um, accept his fifth-year option. So he's going to have to have a decent year. Um, he's our number two guy going into this year. He should see a lot of targets. Um, there's a lot, always been a tons of hype around him and we just want to see him explode and get to that next level. All right. And now Eli with the Packers. Yeah. So the Packers have a pretty nice amount of contract year guys. I mean, right off the top of the bat, we have David Bakhtiari and Aaron Jones, Kenny Clark and Kevin King. I mean, that's four big players right there on the team, all entering contract years. You've been wondering who's going to get signed, who won't, who's going to get first, who will get the most money. So it's really hard. I don't see any way they're going to be able to keep all four of these guys. It could be tough to even pull off getting three of them. I think the consensus priorities have to be Bakhtiari and Kenny Clark. They're both just elite, elite at their position. Bakhtiari obviously being a top three at worst tackle in the NFL, and Kenny Clark is one of the best defensive tackles in the NFL. And then Kevin King, when he's been healthy, has for the most part played very well. And we all know how good Aaron Jones is. But like we said with Cook, paying running backs is always a bit complicated. So for the Packers, I don't want to see Aaron Jones leave. I don't want to see Kevin King leave either. But out of these four, I definitely want them to sign Bakhtiari and Clark the most. Uh, I guess Jones would come in at third with King at fourth. But Jones will depend on the money. If we're looking at paying Jones a ridiculous amount of money, then it's not worth it to me. But it'll be interesting to see. I think they're going to get at least one of those deals done before the start of the year, either Clark or Bakhtiari, I think. Yeah, and as a Packers fan, I do. I think that's spot on. Um, So now we go to Gers with the Lions. All right, so uh, the biggest thing the Lions are facing, and this is a pretty crazy thing I just looked up. The Lions have 12 wide receivers on their roster right now counting uh, cornerback Jamal Agnew, who's apparently reported converting to wide receiver. Do you know how many of those receivers are uh, under contract past 2021? One. One receiver. They have 12 receivers on their roster, and only one is signed past 2021, and that is our sixth-round draft pick this year, Quintez Cephas out of Wisconsin. So the, the biggest one that the Lions need to jump after is Kenny Galladay. Right off the bat, one of the best receivers in the league, or I guess I shouldn't say one of the best receivers in the league, but definitely one of the, like the most up and coming. Like he's he's definitely a stud receiver. He plays well, big playmaker. So he's one of those guys that the Lions need to lock down as fast as they can. We have the cap space. If they can sign Kenny Galladay to a big contract, I don't care how much money they have to give him with this wide receiver situation. I don't care if they give 
all of our salary cap to him just to get a receiver signed. Because, I mean, at this rate, if we don't, it's next year's free agency is going to be all receivers and our draft is going to be all receivers. So, and then that means Marvin Jones and Danny Amendola, they're going to be gone too, which means we need a, Jones has been a solid wide receiver too. We need to find a guy to replace him. I don't think Cephas is going to be that guy yet. I think it's going to take him a year or two. And he's not the same kind of style of player. Cephas and Galladay are more in that same zone of like the big body receiver. Jones is smaller and faster. And then Danny Amendola has just been a solid slot guy his entire career. So having to find a new slot receiver potentially is going to be rough too. And I won't count out some of the other receivers on the back end of that roster who played well when all these guys were hurt throughout this season. But yeah, so Kenny Galladay is the biggest one for the Lions. Uh, Other than that, uh, Taylor Decker, the left tackle, he's been the starting left tackle since he was drafted five years ago or yeah, five years ago, 2015. I, he's another guy I just, I need, the Lions need re-signed. He's a, a great left tackle. He could, I, I don't think he could be a full franchise player in that category, but I know he'll be here for a pretty decent amount of time. Uh, he meshes well with the rest of the O-line, and we need as much consistency as we can get. And with three O-line positions being gone after this year, Decker and Ragnar were the only two returning. So having someone stay even longer will be great. But yeah, so that's the that's what the Lions are dealing with this uh, after next season. So. All right, so that's it from everyone. So now we'll now go into schedules. So we're not going to do a game by game predictions just yet, but we will be talking. You know, we'll have you guys go through each, give strengths and weaknesses of your schedule that you think. Um, you know, just things that stand out to you, and we'll kind of discuss who, which teams have the hardest, which teams have the easiest schedules in the division. Um, and we'll start with you, Garbs, because you were just talking. Um, so go through the Lions schedule and just kind of give your your thoughts on it. Okay, so the Lions are one of those teams that every year, obviously, everyone kind of thinks, could they pull it off? And then, no, they can't. Uh, I think Lions fans think that. Yeah. <laughs> to be fair, they start to make it look like they do. Like, even look at the, look at the Chiefs game where we almost beat the Chiefs and everyone was actually, like, hyped enough on that to be like, hey, the Lions could have beat the Chiefs and yeah, they should have won that, that game. Except for that yeah, interception. They, they should have no, beat the, Green Bay, too. Recovery, right? yeah. <laughs> they should have beat us twice. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and those still face. Those were rough. Yeah, so, that, but that's the story of the Lions right there. Uh, so the two games that the Lions have to win are Arizona and Washington, and those are our two that we tied with Arizona in the season opener last season in just in a abysmal game on both offense and defense it was rough to watch there were like so many ups in it of like hey the offense doesn't look too bad the defense doesn't look too bad but then it would be followed immediately by a play that would be like never mind i hate this team and we ended up tying in week one which set the tone for the lions three win season (laughs) and then with washington where the lions ended up by the i was at that game it was brutal and it was down until the third quarter tie it up in the third and then just get pummeled in the fourth quarter lions only scored one touchdown and kicked three field goals it was field goals are the best offense this team has had in a while so those are like the two must win if you want to see this team even like just get out of that top five draft pick 
range. From there, I mean, the NFC North is always a tight competition. You never know really what's going to happen with any of those games. But, like, they all, obviously the Lions have not done well in recent years, but they've always put up enough of a fight to make it seem like they're going to be in it. Maybe this season with a new defensive coordinator, a new uh, running backs coach, new special teams coach, maybe things turn around. Other than that, um, I don't know. The Playing the NFC South, the Saints are always terrifying. That's an instant loss. I just, I'm going to chalk that one up now. That's an L for the Lions. And uh, playing, uh, well, I guess the Buccaneers are in there too. So Tom Brady and Gronk against Detroit. It's not going to be pretty. So, yeah, the uh, I don't think I don't think things look that great for the Lions for the most part, but they never really do. So, I, I think It'll they're going to have another. You can't get let down, right? Yeah, exactly. And I think I what I think it's going to be another season, just like how it is a classic Detroit Lions season of every game is lost by one score and either lost because of a stupid penalty they made or a stupid penalty the refs didn't call so that's that's how it goes with the lions it's always one of those two we lose by one score in the most brutal heartbreaking way possible leading all the way back to that aaron Rodgers hail mary in 2015 (laughs) but yeah so that's that's my thoughts on the lion's schedule it doesn't look too pretty overall i think the afc south the lions might be able to get a few wins out of that division i know they're like one of the weakest divisions in football but i don't know it's yeah, it's the Lions. You can't predict anything with them as far as the schedule goes. <laughs> and real quick, I still can't believe last year the the Lions against the Packers in their two games, both games they led every single second until the very end. Like the Packers won it at the very end after trailing the entire game, both games. So they. And I was at the the Week 17 game, and that was one of those like that's the problem with Lions games is every single game you have to wait till the last freaking second of the game to see if the Lions are gonna win. <laughs> Because after Stafford's 2016 season where he had eight comeback wins in one season, it's like now you can't count him out ever. And because some of those we were down two scores by the fourth quarter and then came back to win. So it's like, but yeah, that those games were atrocious. And I, yeah, being a Lions fan is not good for your health. I will tell you that. <laughs> so, yeah. All right, we'll go to Max uh, with the Bears schedule. Yeah, so I... I think the Bears, they, they're very, I don't know, in-your-head kind of team, you know? Like, I think Club Dub was really good for, like, I don't know, having a little reward, a little extra dopamine rush after a win and building upon that. And once we once we get going, usually we can start building upon a streak. Um, but you know what? Like, last year, I think, like, and, and another thing I always think is, like, if we can start off with kind of easier teams as we go along, and this is kind of how 2020 is looking, we start off with these easier teams. Um, the first few weeks, anything can happen. The Lions can rally with the Chiefs, you know, like um, kind of volatile games. You roll the dice. I think the Bucks beat the Saints, like I think it was last year or whatever, the to start off the start off week one. But two years uh, ago, Lions beat the Patriots. So yeah, exactly. You <laughs> never know what's gonna happen. Yeah, exactly. Right, and uh, and so yeah. That's why when I want to start off the season, I really want to start off with some of the easier games, that games where, where we can make mistakes and hopefully come out with a win. So I think this year we we have a very favorable favorable schedule, and based on based on Mitch Trubisky and how he plays against the Lions, 
starting week one against Detroit, you've got to start Trubisky, right? And I, I, I think even outside that, I think if we weren't playing the Lions, you'd start Trubisky anyway. Um, but yeah, he, he's usually good for three touchdowns. And this is a team that's really dependent on having a leader. Last year, we lost Akeem Hicks. 2018, like Trubisky wasn't elite. He wasn't great, but he was good. He won us a couple games. There was hope there. And I really think that um, a team needs to have some belief. And when they lost that belief in Trubisky, then that's when everyone kind of faded out. All Everyone on the offense started fading out. And, and the defense lost that voice, that very strong voice in Akeem Hicks. And losing that leadership, we like we need that. So, so to start off, uh, we yeah we got um, we got Detroit, and so Detroit. Hopefully, Trubisky can put something together. The Giants after that, and so I think Trubisky can hopefully build upon that streak. It's not like the Giants have a super elite defense, and then we go into Atlanta. Atlanta just lost Trufant to the Lions, and uh, I think they Atlanta picked up AJ. T- Terrell um, in the draft, and so I, I think he's good, but I don't think he's going to be replacing Trufant. And then, uh, and then next we have the Colts, and so the Colts have Xavier Rhodes starting, and then T.J. Carey, and so like I think there's four favorable favorable matchups for our offense, and if we can go in, and it's not even that we necessarily need to win, but we just need to see some some sort of life in our quarterback. And from there, we kind of go into uh, the rest of the season. We go into our bye week. Usually, we're not that great after our bye week. Or, any, or we don't go into our bye week after that, but we go into a more difficult part of our schedule. And I really think if we can get some momentum built and then move on into the rest of the season, then uh, then that will help us pull off a NFC North championship. But we need that strong start. So similar to what, what kind of is going on with Gerbs in the line. So um, the outlying... Uh, conversation or outlying teams that we're playing are the Rams and the Giants. Those are the two teams that none of you guys are playing. And so the Giants, I think it's a winnable game. The Rams, it's a toss up, you know, like we, um, it's a slug fest usually. And we're going into LA to play, which usually isn't like a huge home advantage or anything like that, but it's not the same as playing at soldier field. And who knows with the coronavirus, who knows if we'll have a home advantage, right? But, um, yeah, I think I think we got a it's a tough schedule, but it's one that's manageable. It's not overbearing. I think that we are set up for success. If this is our year, then like we got to take advantage of it right from the jump. All right. And now um, Eli with the Packers. Yeah, so the Packers, no surprise, in my opinion, have the toughest schedule in the division, which is to be expected when you finish first overall, you're going to play the toughest teams. And I wanted to really highlight a four-game stretch for the Packers, the middle of the season, where they face the Bucks, the Texans, the Vikings, and the 49ers in four straight weeks. And those four games are going to be played in a combined uh, 17 days, four games. I don't even know how that, that happened, that schedule, but that's going to be the key stretch for them. They're playing in Tampa in Houston, and in San Francisco. So three away games out of those four, that's going to be a really tough stretch, which is going to make the first four games of the season extremely important. They face the Vikings, Lions, Saints, and Falcons to open up. So not necessarily a ton of easy matchups. I mean, I guess the Falcons and Lions are somewhat on the easier side, but Saints and Vikings aren't that easy. So the Packers have a pretty tough schedule. 
And I mean, just looking at the rest of the division, I mean, if I were to just do a quick ranking on strength of schedule, I guess I would have to go Packers, Vikings, Bears, Lions, which again, shouldn't be too much of a surprise considering that was the order of how they finished last year. But the Packers, the Packers have a tough schedule. I mean, they got a lot of really good teams and a lot of tough games on the road in specific, which is never fun. So they're, they're, they're going to need to uh, capitalize early in the season just in case they go on a couple-game losing streak in middle over there. Yeah, and I know just briefly when I looked at it, um, it seems the back half of the schedule is a little bit more favorable compared to the first half. Like, it seems like more of the tough games are coming in, like, that first nine games. Like, there's a realistic yeah. chance that when I looked at it, that they could start, like, four and five, honestly. Like, I know people would freak out at that point, but, like, the back half is pretty favorable where I could see them going, you know, six and one or something. Um, yeah, after the 49ers, it definitely clears up a lot. Yeah. If they could, like you said, if they could steal a few of those early on, that would really help them. So, um, yeah. and now, last but not least, we have Brett uh, with the Vikings schedule. Yeah, you know, when the schedule drops, the first thing I kind of look at is where we play our the div- divisional games, and uh, we open up the season with Green Bay. So, you know, that's you know that's a big game right off the bat. Um, we've been playing Green Bay earlier in the year, the last few years. Um, 2018 is when we had our tie, which was just stupid. You guys should have won with that Clay exactly. Matthews yes. rough in the passer and all that kind of stuff. But, uh, but uh, um, and then last year you guys beat us, um, got out to a big lead and stuff like that. So, but those two were at Lambeau. This one's at home. So, um, again, you know, like Max said, who knows if we'll have a you know home field advantage with all that's going on right now. Um, but uh, it is still the home environment and stuff like that. But I look at that. We play Green Bay right off the bat. And then um, actually um, we play Green Bay after our bye week as well. So um, we play them week one and then right after our bye week, which, you know, really helps you gear up for the second half of the season and stuff like that. Um, and then obviously we don't play the we don't play the Lions or the Bears. Um until our first matchup versus Detroit is November 8th. So we have a good break. We play Green Bay twice before we even play all the Lions or the Bears. So that's kind of interesting. Um, so, yeah, the, we play at Chicago on November 16th. So I kind of look at the weather type thing, too, as well, because Kirk is not very good in cold weather at all. <laughs> so I kind of look at that as well. So in Chicago, you know, November 16th, you know, could be cold, but I don't think it should be too bad. And then obviously Lambeau is also in November. And then um, Detroit, I just put two W's by that anyway, so I'm not really looking at that. So, <laughs> um, um, but uh, and then I kind of and then I kind of look at the last four games of the year. Um, it goes t- at Tampa versus Chicago, at New Orleans, and at Detroit. So um, two divisional games. You know, Detroit's Detroit, but you know Matt Stafford could pull could you know pull out a w pretty easily especially you know week 17 and it's at detroit but um and then we play chicago we always struggle for chicago and then two big games versus tampa and new orleans uh so uh yeah i think uh divisional games we were two and four in the division last year our only two wins were versus detroit um and then um but four game stretch at the end um is will be really big for us as well um because usually we're Going in the last four four games of the year, we're usually like seven and five or eight and four or something like that. So, you know, those last couple of weeks are always big for us, either gearing up for a wild card or something like that. So, um, 
yeah, just like I said, divisional games are big for us, and then the last four game stretch will be big for us as well. And I know Eli said his he would rank his um, hardest to easiest in terms of like the division or in the order of the division standings from last year. So Packers, Vikings, Bears, Lions. Would you yeah. guys agree with that, or would you have any disagreements? Um, I think that's pretty accurate. I was kind of looking at it as well. Um, Packers for sure have the toughest. Um, that there's no doubt about that. Uh, like Eli was talking about, that four-game stretch in the middle of the series, the middle of the season is just killer. Um, and especially when three of them are, are on the road. So, you know. yeah. And I mean, I feel the same way. You know, the Lions opening up against the Bears, I think, is gonna be one of the more favorable openings they could have had if like I knew a division game was going to be the first like the going to be week one out of the three that's probably the most favorable for the Lions um I think Detroit in general it's just it doesn't matter how hard or easy their schedule is they're going to pull off like one upset and then lose to a lot of teams they were supposed to win against so it's that's just how it goes uh, the one thing I'm really happy about is not having to play the Packers week 17 for the first time in God knows how long. It's been like every year forever I've been going to those games, and now I can uh, go to a different one. But uh, yeah, so now it's Vikings-Lions at the end, and I know that won't do anything for the Lions, but you know, that's always a, you know, how, like, that's always a game for whoever they're playing to boost up in the division, and both in the NFC North and in just the NFC in general. So if the Lions can win, it kind of hurts an opponent while it doesn't do anything for Detroit. And if they lose, sure, the Vikings will have a uh, better standing going into the playoffs. So, yeah, that's that's all I got to say about that. And Max, any um, thoughts or changes to that? Yeah, like, I don't know. I, I think you guys pretty much got it. Like, Green Bay, you have to play the 49ers and the Eagles. Nobody else has to play those two teams. And so that's, like, two very difficult teams. Um, Minnesota, you guys have to play the Seahawks and the Cowboys. Um, the Seahawks, like, it's unbelievable that they are always just so good, you know? Like, it, they're always competitive. They're always in it. doesn't matter what their roster looks like. As long as you got Pete Carroll and Russell Wilson, it's, like, it's going to be a tough game. And then... Uh, and then, yeah, Chicago and Detroit, like I like it's I'd say it's close for easiest schedule. Like I, I really like like our opener I and uh, how we open our, our season with the four games um, that are relatively like winnable. Um, but it comes down to case. Okay, are the Rams better than the Cardinals? I think the Cardinals can be good this year. I, I think that's huge that they got Hopkins. I think Kyler Murray takes the next step. I think he's going to be a good franchise quarterback to have. But at the end of the day, I still have to put the Rams are a little bit more difficult than the Cardinals. And then as far as the NFC East, um, the the Bears play the Giants and then the Lions play the Redskins. And so even there, it's like, OK, I think the Giants are slightly better than um, the Redskins. So, yeah, there's nothing much I would change up. But yeah, I yeah, I don't know. But as far as strength of the schedule goes, like it's like everybody always says on Twitter, you can speculate, speculate, speculate. But until the games actually happen and the season plays out, it's like, you never know. The Cardinals could be in the championship, you know? Like, not a lot of people expected the 49ers just to take off like they did last year. And so, uh, yeah, we'll see what happens, but I, I think I agree with you guys. I think we're all on the same page here. All right, so that does it for schedule talk. 
So we will now go into um, our position rankings for the week. So this week we have wide receiver. We'll go around um, each person give their um, or rank all the teams in terms of their receiving cores. So we'll start with Eli. Um, how would you rank them yourself? So <clears throat> I think it's pretty tough because all four teams have a pretty elite wide receiver one, and then all of them have varying amounts of drop-off. So looking at them all, I mean, if we're talking about the best receiver in the division, and I don't think I'm being biased here, I would go Adams. But looking as a group, I think I have to go with the Lions. You have Kenny Galladay, you have Marvin Jones, Danny Amendola, and then if you want to add the tight end into the equation, I think Hawkinson obviously is in store for a good career. So, I mean, even though Gerbs did mention that all of those receivers could be gone in a year from now, but as of today, I think you got to put the Lions one. And then this was pretty painful for me, but the Justin Jefferson draft pick, I kind of had to put the Vikings two there. When you have the duo of Thielen and Jefferson, that's, that should be, assuming Jefferson lives up to his draft pick, that should be a pretty damn good pairing. And then you have the Packers at three, in my opinion. I think the gap between Devontae Adams and Allen Robinson, and then add the upside of Lazard and Funchess, I just think it outdoes Robinson and Miller. So that's how I would have it. Lions, Vikings, Packers, Bears. All right, we'll go to Brett. All right. Um, like Eli said, there's, there's some good wide receivers. Um, in the NFC North, and then there's a lot of unproven guys as well. Um, but um, since they're it, talk about unproven, uh, the Lions have more of the more proven receivers, as in uh, Marvin Jones Jr. and Kenny Galladay, just two really solid solid wide receivers, along with Danny Amendola, who's been in the league a long time and just catches a lot of passes and is just really consistent. So I'd have to go Lions at number one, and then. Um, Number two, um, I do have the Vikings. Um, like Eli said, if Justin Jefferson lives up to his potential and doesn't turn into a Laquan Treadwell 2.0, I, I don't even want to think of Laquan Treadwell because I don't want that to happen again. Or Cordero Patterson. We, we, we've been having sh struggles with um, first-round uh, wide receivers, but um, I hope Je Jefferson is different. And then um, on the back end, B.C. Johnson, Tajay Sharp, you know, they're good fill-in guys, but, again, pretty unproven. Um, and then number three, I actually do have uh, the Bears ahead of the Packers. Um, I do really like Allen Robinson. Um, he, he had 98 catches last year um, with, you know, Mitchell Trubisky and Chase Daniel at quarterback. Um, so I think he's really good. And then um, Anthony Miller, I think he's looking at a breakout year. He had 52 catches last year. Um, I think he's a good, solid receiver, and I, I'm looking for him to take that next step. And if he does, you know, you know, all the better for the Bears. And then you have a couple of speedsters as well, Ted Ginn and Cordero is still on your team, right, Max? I'm pretty sure. Yeah. <laughs> Patterson. Yeah. You know, not great wide receivers, but they can maybe take the top off of the, of the defense or, you know, put them in that gadget um, way as well. And then number four, um, the Packers. Uh, Devonta Adams is so good. Um, I do think he's the best, but, you know, after that, I – I don't know you know, Aaron Rodgers is throwing the football. So, you know, they, they're probably looking better than they actually are. Uh, but, um, you know, Devin Funches could step up Alan Lazard, you know, he's shown flashes, but then other than that, you just have kind of a bunch of guys, but yeah, I'm, I, I got lions, Vikings, bears, Packers. 
All right, and now to Gerbs, who will probably try to convince us that Marvin Jones is the best receiver in this division. <laughs> no, I, okay. Shit. All right, so, um, yeah, you got me on that one. No, but I, I do think Lions are the uh, the best, have the best receiving core. And, yeah, again, they all these guys are only under contract until the end of this year. But... I, I, th- I could see a few of them getting re-signed. Uh, really, Kenny Galladay and Marvin Jones are such a solid tandem of receivers. And then Danny Amendola in the slot has been a great safety net for Matt Stafford. They played together for just one se- – or not even one season because Stafford got hurt, and they clicked so well right from week one. And then even our wide receiver four was Marvin Hall, who we brought up from our practice squad, and the guy ended up averaging about 40 yards a reception over nine games throughout the season. And it was like, it wasn't, he didn't have a lot of receptions. So like, you know, that the stats kind of skew there, but at the same time, he had one to two catches a game where he was averaging that much. And just, that's all you need to do. If you're making those bigger plays, you don't need to have much more catches if you're lobbing in a 40 yard, 50 yard pass every time. So he was, he's, a, he's been a great wide receiver for, and then I think behind him with Quintess Cephas, the draft pick. Even Geronimo Allison, there's good competition for like that wide receiver four and five spot. At two, I put the Vikings. I think Thielen is great. I think, yeah, he's definitely like a top 15 receiver in the league. And um, then behind him, I know the Jefferson pick was great. He, he was one of my favorite receivers in this draft. I think um, I'm probably going to botch how you say his name, but uh, Bissy Johnson, BC Johnson, however you say it. Um, he is, I think, I, I can't really say like underrated, but definitely slept on. I think he's going to have a big year this year. He showed so much potential last season, and I'm really excited to see what he can pull off. Uh, I put Packers at three, and it like with these rankings, it was so tough because Devontae Adams made me want to put them at one. <laughs> with just Devonte Adams, but then like when you're looking at just like one receiver on the team, yeah, Packers would be at one. But then the problem is it's the depth behind it. But then if we were to factor in the quarterback throwing to them with it, Packers would be at one because you're talking about Rodgers who made Jeff Janis look good, made Geronimo Allison look good, makes Robert Tanyan your third string tight end who the Lions cut after rookie training camp makes him look good. I mean like he Rodgers makes. I could walk on the field and I'd look like an all pro receiver if Rodgers was throwing to me. It's just like, that's what he does. He makes any player look good. And so, but then just looking at the receiver core on its own. Yeah. Again, Lazard, not too bad. Uh, Valdez Scantling. I mean, like all these guys are capable in the Packers offense, but none of them really stand out as like difference makers aside from Adams, which Hopefully they change my mind this season. I, as much as I don't want to see the Packers win against the Lions, I love a good game and I love watching wide receivers play. My favorite position in football, I could watch wide receiver film all day. And uh, at fourth, I put the Bears. Yeah, Ted Ginn is 35 years old. That is that is. I mean, Danny Amendola is like 34. He's 30. Ooh. Isn't he? Isn't he older than that? He's 34. Oh, he is 34? Seriously? Yeah, I, I thought just he was just 30. <laughs> oh, dang. So, uh, okay. you want to take that back? 30. Are we at three now, at least? Well, but Ted Ginn is still 35 years old. So, <laughs> I'm going to, I'm going to, that's older than Danny Amendola. And I don't know. I, 
Allen Robinson is good, and it, that was a really tough. It was a tough toss-up. I almost wanted to make the Packers and Bears tie on this because I could not figure out who to put. But it's just, I don't know. Miller, again, I see him as solid. Robinson, I see as solid, but I don't see him playing at the level he used to. But I mean, I haven't been watching a lot of Bears football, so I could be very wrong on that. And then um, behind that, you guys got a lot of guys that I just don't know who they are. So you have Calvin Ridley's brother, and um, yeah, so I, I, I just had to put the Bears at the bottom. I feel like that's also just like with any ranking, it's just immediately Bears, bottom, done. All right. So, um, <laughs> but yeah, that's that's my ranking. Lions on top, Lions, Vikings, Packers, Bears. And real quick, I didn't want to cut you off before, but I have to give my Rodgers love um, real quick. If you ever want to be impressed at what he's done with bad receivers, look at the 2015 division round game against the Cardinals. And he took that game to overtime. Just look, If you look up who his receivers were. Was that were. Jeff Janis catching two Hail Mary passes, yes. one in overtime yeah. to win, right? Yes, or to tie it and uh, lost in overtime. Yeah, I was like, watching that game. But, uh, if you look up who the receivers were in that game, it was like Jeff Janis, Jer- Jared Abraderis, and I don't, th- I think it was just running backs I mean, after that. James Jones, I think, was still he, there. Cobb got hurt. Yeah, James it, Jones didn't have a catch though, so it was literally like, have a catch. Yeah, yeah Patrick Peterson. The only guys that had catches, it was. So, Randall Cobb got hurt. If yep. you remember on that play, Nathan, the diving that catch. Play, that play yeah. would have been a life changer right there. But either way, that game was too painful to talk about, so I will. Stop it's talking about it. It's really crazy. Uh, I know, like, Jeff Janis is, like, the darling of Packers fans everywhere. Like, they fell in love with him more than they need to. But, like, so he played college football in Michigan, grew up in northern Michigan in the same town my uh, my stepdad and, my, and his brother, my uncle, they grew up there in that same town. And so, like... It's this tiny little town, so like all the families know each other. So like because of that, like I like I don't know Janice personally, but like I've I've definitely like come across some of his family members up there, and it's just so weird because I'm rooting for him just because of like these connections. But then I see like all of Packers Twitter is like standing the crap out of the guy after that game, and I'm like, am I not the only one who knows who this is? Okay, cool. <laughs> right. I thought he was going to be the second coming of Jordy Nelson, and I was just. Well, I said it. Yeah, I said it before. There was a section of Packers Twitter at one time that said Janice over Adams. There was yeah. one guy. I remember there was one guy that his name on Twitter was Janice over Adams, and yeah, everyone was look, coming at him. 2015 season was pretty brutal for Devontae. Yeah. So, yeah, the, I mean, 2015 was the peak of the Janice hype and uh, <laughs> the depth of the Adams hate. You know. Yes. yes. All right. So uh, we'll get back on track here, and we'll go to Max <laughs> with his rankings. All uh, right. So. Need to give my Bears some love. Allen Robinson, the dude is amazing. I think I think if you're going to put the quarterback, uh, Mitch Trubisky, at like the bottom bottom five in the league, instantly you have to say, okay, whatever the wide receivers are doing on the Bears, it's that much better than probably where it where they should be at, right? And so the same thing with with Rodgers. Um, wh- however good his wide receivers are. They're probably not as good because he elevates the play, right? He makes the passes. He like, like even if you look at um, like, and I don't know all about like injuries and maybe why players fall off and like, like Rand- Randall Cobb, he had a good, he had a good 2019 season, but like he went to a pretty good team in the Dallas Cowboys that had a good offense. But then you look at like Jordy Nelson, like he was at 
Um, I don't know. Again, I don't know the extent of his injury and that sort of thing, but he was like at 1,200, 1,300, 1, yards like a season. And then obviously had the one bad year on the Packers and then got traded away and that like in, in Oakland, he did relatively nothing. And then you even look at like um, James Jones, like in, like he he was he not like he was amazing or anything, but he was like 800 yard, like decently around well, there, 700 Greg, yard. Cons- Greg Jennings is the number one example of the, of dropping off after leaving the Packers. I mean, right. he was a yeah, star of the Packers. Talked, ran his mouth, went to two other teams, was atrocious on both, and he can just shut his mouth. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and you know what? Like, uh, uh. And so in saying that, I think my my point is proven that like the Bears wide receivers, what they're working with, they need some love. And um, so Chicago and if we're and we're reviewing this as like a core, like a whole, like if we're doing like top three, then, yeah, maybe to have the Bears a little bit lower. But as a core. Um, so we got Allen Robinson, Anthony Miller, Ted Ginn, Riley Ridley, Darnell Mooney, Javon Wims. And number seven would be Cordell Patterson. But I honestly can envision a situation where maybe they just list Patterson as a running back and he, he had more carries than he had receptions last year. And, and the reason I say that is because Javon Wims is the guy who's kind of on the bubble of the team. And when I mention on bears Twitter that Wims isn't likely coming back, I get instant, like, what are you talking about? Like when, like Wims is our seventh round pick um, from a couple years, years back. And, and he doesn't get a lot of playing time, but when he go, gets on the field, like he's ma- he's making plays, like he he has his drops and that sort of thing, but he's he's contributing to the offense, and that's our worst player. And our worst player heats up the Bears Bears Twitter when uh when you talk about cutting him and leaving him behind. So I think that um kind of placates to the strength that the Bears have within their receiver core. Um, at a Rob, I think w- wide receiver one, Anthony Miller, um. He's taken some time to get used to this playbook, but as our slot receiver, I think his floor is, and I, I'm I'm here to take all the heat. I think his floor is Danny Amendola. I think Danny Amendola. I think he's got a good name because he was with the uh, Brady and the Patriots. He's winning Super Bowls, and he's uh, and who like no matter who it is, if you're if you're a white underdog kind of like later draft pick, everyone always just champions you to the front whether it's jeff janis or even the packers they they love to do this with kyler fackrell or jake camaro and then it's just like you, you got this and like the bears do that too like we we, we had tenor gentry who is jesus christ for a season and it's like why isn't he on the team well he's an xfl backup you know and then and then we got uh thomas ives everyone's like oh thomas ives he should be on the team but it's like uh, whatever. Everyone just loves an underdog story, but let's get into the rankings. Okay. So the bears and Packers Packers, I would say this, that Alan uh, Lazard MVS and Aquanimus St. Brown, and then Reggie Bagleton, I'd say likely makes the team, um, watched him a little bit in the CFL. And you know what? The CFL is a little bit different than the NFL where, uh, we don't have stars that stick around for very often. If you're young and you're good, you're going to be in the NFL getting your shot. The only thing is, is like just looking to pack uh, past history. It's not often that um, uh, wide receiver from the CFL makes it. And and he had, he had one really good strong year, 1,400 yards in the CFL. And and so we'll see what happens. But my hopes for him aren't very high. 
I think Lazard and MVS, I think they're like, you kind of view them and we, we all view them as like, yeah, they're decent wide receivers. Like they belong in the NFL, but again, like Rogers elevates their play going on to um, the Vikings, I would say. Yeah. So you got Thielen, Jefferson, BC Johnson, Tajay Sharp. Like they, these aren't names that I really feel like have the explosiveness. I think, yeah, obviously Justin Jefferson, but going into 2020, like if I'm looking into the future, yeah, like you guys could have a good future, but going into 2020, I can't necessarily even put Justin Jeff Jefferson that much higher than Anthony Miller. Like Anthony Miller's going into his third year. He's been improving year after year. Like he's been getting a lot better. He's got lots of talent. Like, um, and I would say just like depth wise, like the bears are very rich, just who we can get on the field. That's a different story. So our wide receiver three, it's either between Ginn and Mooney and Ridley, and there's probably going to be some sort of rotation, but um, those are guys that Gin, Gin sets a good floor. I think like he, he's won a one million dollar contract, so I think that's a fantastic value. He had, he took a bit of a pay cut in order to be with us. Not like he's going to offer a lot of money anyway. Um, but I think uh, I think we have very good odds of having someone kind of pull up, whether it's Ridley or Mooney. A lot of us are really hyped on Mooney and very fast four three kind of guy very athletic he can has an insane catch radius he's just a little raw with the routes which is if there's a if there's a def deficiency i would have it raw with the routes because the routes can be learned athleticism usually at your uh, close to a peak athleticism he's got tons of athleticism detroit you guys got galladay jones amandola hall cephas geronimo allenson um don't know who's going to be bringing up the rear within there like you guys got uh fulgham and lacy and Kennedy and Victor Bolden and I don't know a couple of those guys or whatever but I'd say depth wise I'd I'd I give it to uh it's it's tough but I give it to the Lions I'll give you guys number one I think you can't beat that you have Jones and you have Galladay um at the end of the day it does matter on who's going to be on that field so I'll get I'll give it to give it to Lions from there you know what and I'll take I'll take the heat. I'll give it to the Bears. I think we have the depth. I think we have the potential. I think I I think you guys are massively underrating who we have, and a lot of a lot of that is based on quarterback play. Next I'll go Vikings. Last I'll go Packers. So, and again the Packers. Not that I think your wide receivers are awful, but I think they're viewed a lot higher. I think those guys are viewed a lot higher than they probably should be because of the play of Aaron Rodgers. So I think with better quarterback play. I think Bears 2020 wide receiver group is looking great. And give me the heat. Um, <laughs> can I, can I, can I start off with some heat? Yeah, yeah go for it, man. <laughs> well, I don't know. I just, number one, I mean, I, at first I thought you were ranking the Bears one, which would have obviously brought some more heat. But even at two, I mean, again, I get it. Allen Robinson is legit. He's a Pro Bowl receiver. I think he's very good. But Anthony Miller, he had a good rookie year. And by good, it was really more touchdown good. He had eight touchdowns. Mm -hmm. But each of the last, I mean, last year really wasn't overly impressive. You know, two touchdowns, he had 650 yards, not terrible. And he has potential, but... Um, sorry about that. But looking at him, I, don't, I just don't see... I just don't see how you could have the Bears. I mean, looking at, looking at Ryler... I mean, Ryler Ridley, what has Riley Ridley ever done in the NFL other than be Calvin Ridley? brother and Javon wins <laughs> he seems like he's like that guy in the preseason who catches like three or four touchdowns it's almost like a Janice like a preseason star 
And then in the NFL, during the regular season, he hasn't really made a ton of plays. So I just think looking at the – and also you want to talk quarterback play, elevating it. Of course, a good QB elevates receivers. But, I mean, I don't know. In my opinion, I just look at – I think Alan Lazard, even with his unconventional entry to the NFL, he wasn't a second-round pick like Miller – but I think you can make the argument that they have similar upsides. I mean, Lazard, with less playing time, did more than Miller did last year. So if you're looking at the top two on the team, and then you have Devin Funches, who I wouldn't even make an argument, I think, is more proven than Anthony Miller. I mean, his future isn't maybe as bright, but if you're looking at today, I think you got a pack ahead of them. And then even the Vikings, I mean, Adam Steven is close to on par, if not on par with Allen Robinson. And then I just think the upside of Dustin Jefferson is higher than what Anthony, I think Anthony Miller, he didn't show what he is. There's still room. He's still young. But I don't see Anthony Miller making that breakout. I thought I liked him a lot going into the draft. I thought he had the chance to do that. But it's been two years and he hasn't. So I just think the Bears can maybe make the argument. But I don't I put them at two. Mm-hmm. So I'd say this, that. Like even BC Johnson, like he he made some plays last year, but I think what what was his best game, Brett? Like I think he had like 45 yards in his best game. Yeah, he had a lot of games where he had like 30 yards. Yeah, he, he, and, it was never like huge numbers. He was just right. consistent. He was never blowing it up. Yeah. Sure. And so I and so I would I would even say that like like Anthony Miller has had huge games and he's pr- shown that he has this potential, right? And even for Riley Ridley, I'd come to his defense. So he was our, our fourth round pick and obviously Calvin Ridley, Ridley's brother. I don't expect him to be Calvin Ridley. Um, but I think there's something to be said for even wide receivers and Bear, the Bears have two of them. Wide, receiver, wide receivers that come from Georgia and have to pick up a complex playbook. Like Georgia's not a run uh, or they're, they're not a pass first team. They're run first. They like Gurley and Chubb and like... All the all the recent running backs are, seem to be from Georgia. So, and Jake Fromm, he's a game manager, right? They're not a pass-heavy sort of um, sort of team, so they don't really rely on these wide receivers. And so, I think going into picking up a playbook, so going from Georgia's offense, which is like, I don't know, it's it's fine, like a good offense or whatever, but it's not wide receiver friendly. Into a team that heavily re- relies on wide receivers heavily relies on you knowing pre-stat motion and that was anthony miller's problem at the begin uh beginning of the year and he slowly started picking it up and then even uh even in year two whims kind of like started showing us a little bit more and so and then to the point where ridley didn't get a, a lot of playing time until the last sort of bit of the season so i year two of of uh these wide receivers i i i think whims I'd put him near the back. I think he's got potential, but I'm not expecting a whole lot. But whether it's Ridley, it might not be Ridley, but we also have high hopes for Mooney. They're, they're late-round picks. And like I said two weeks ago on uh, episode number one, like this is Pace's specialty. This is where he finds our all-pros and our pro bowlers. So maybe there's some of that. Obviously, I'm biased, but I, I got to stick with my team. I got to give them some respect. Right. And uh, Gerbs, I would say, if you're not high on Allen Robinson, just Go watch the highlights from our game against the Raiders last year where Chase Daniel was dropping back, throwing ducks, and Allen Robinson single-handedly kept us in the game. that game. It's unbelievable. Allen Robinson was just happy to have a competent quarterback throw into him <laughs> in that game. So. Oh, um, yeah, right. Oh, okay, okay. I'd, I'd like to see Allen Robinson and Anthony Miller and Galladay 
uh, catch passes from Aaron Rodgers just to see how how their numbers would inflate. Like yeah. Adams is good, but I think like Allen Allen Robinson could have better numbers than Adams would if Rodgers was his quarterback. Like it'll be interesting to see how good Adams is when Jordan loves their quarterback next year. So, and and I think that's a great point. Like, because we we mentioned even that like Anthony Miller has 650 yards uh, from Mitch Trubisky. Imagine if Aaron Rodgers was throwing to him as a slot receiver. It's but like unfortunately, unfortunately he's not, he's not right. Yeah. But and that's what I'm saying. So this year, either Mitch Trubisky takes a step, or hopefully Nick Foles gives us gives us some competent play. But Foles. we'll see. Foles would be better for Miller. You know, he's a good slot connection. Foles right. loves the slot. So that could be true. Miller could have a better chance with Foles. I just I just think if we're talking today, talent that we know exists today, I don't know if you could put the Bears there. They might have more potential, but not, not necessarily today. Yeah. I will say also, let's just appreciate this might be the only time that everyone says the Lions are at number one. I don't <laughs> think this will ever happen again. So let's Yachty. just take a moment to appreciate this because I'm just soaking it in. It will never happen again. The Lions have the best receiving core in the NFC North. There we go. Um, yeah, I mean, girls, if we're ever ranking worst teams in the division, I promise they'll be at one. <laughs> yeah, only team not win the NFC North in 10 years. More than 10 years. Yay. All right. So um, that's where we'll leave it off with this episode. Um, thank you all for listening. So if you want to follow us um, on our social media accounts, we have Max at Max Markham NFL, Eli at Book of Eli underscore NFL, Brett at MN Vikes Central. Gerbs at Max Gerbs, uh, myself at Nathan Marzian, and follow the podcast at Split Div Pod. Um, again, thank you guys for listening, um, and we'll talk to you guys next week. Peace out. Good night, guys.